Good morning, church. Welcome to another pre-recorded message. And I trust that you have been well all these weeks. Uh, we trust God that He has blessed you and kept you safe. And as we join our hearts today to listen to the Word of God, thank God that we are still able to do all of these things. Amen. We rejoice that the Lord has kept us safe and kept us going all these day days. Um, and we, we want to thank God for what He's doing with His church. Amen. So let's pray this morning. Let's seek the Lord. Let's uh, understand what His Word is for us in this season. And we just uh, want God to do the wonderful things that He does in amongst us. So Lord, we just lift up the name of Jesus this morning. We thank You for Your presence. We thank you that you are in the midst of your people. We thank you that, Lord, you will continue to be the strength, the guide, the counsel, the all that we need. And we just lift up the name of Jesus this morning. We trust that your word will go across and touch the people where they are so that they will be blessed and they will be healed and they will be delivered according to your will and purpose for their lives. We bless you, we honor you, and we praise you this morning. Anoint the word, and may it be a wonderful word that reaches your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So this morning, I want to talk to you about being a letter writer. The word of God tells us that every word we speak is a word that carries with it life or death, according to Proverbs 18.21. And Paul goes on to speak about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. And if you have your Bibles with you, come with me there. And it talks about the things that pertain to a person who is able to write upon the hearts of people. Amen. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, he says, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So here Paul is alluding to the fact that we can write upon the hearts of people and that he is using the method of the Holy Spirit and not ink to speak or write upon the hearts of people. So every word you and I speak can write life or death into the soul of another or into your own soul. So we need to be very, very mindful of what we say and what we speak. I know in my own life I have failed oftentimes in the words that I've used and the way I've used it and the tone of voice that goes with it. And I've been guilty of using unworthy words in the presence of the Lord. Now, God has changed all that through Christ Jesus and given us a power through the gospel to write upon the hearts of people both in the church and outside the church the things that God wants them to know and that which would help them to grow spiritually and become strong in the Lord. So let's go to Psalms 45 and let's have a look at what the psalmist has to say about writing on the hearts of people. Psalm 45. 
Psalm 45 says, beginning at verse 1, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And then he goes on to describe this king, who is Jesus, about how gracious he is, that grace has been poured out into his lips. But listen to the words after that. And he says, uh, thine, in verse 5, Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Here he's talking about a god or a king, the almighty God, who's able to speak grace and also speak into the enemy, defeat and death by the same lips. So what God is saying to us in Proverbs 18:21 is that we also have that ability to speak life into the lives of people that God wants us to speak it into and death to the enemies of God and to us. But you know what we have found is that in the church a lot of people are talking things that are more to do with rhetoric. Now rhetoric means speaking with eloquence without effect and sincerity. You know, God doesn't want us to speak flattery or false encouragement because what that does is it lifts the flesh. You know, I know a person who constantly speaks that and says that they have a ministry uh, associated one of the, with one of the disciples in the Bible who was a ministry of encouragement. And so this person just speaks encouragement over everybody, never corrects anybody, never brings the truth, but just you know, embellishes it by encouragement so that the, in the end, the person who's receiving what this person is encouraging them about is actually receiving a lie. So we don't want to be like that. You know, it's not our right that we should infiltrate someone's mind or uh, another person's space with words that are not convenient. Amen? We must use discernment. We must understand uh, through our spiritual growth where we stand so that when we speak into a person's life we are speaking what the Spirit of the Lord has written upon our hearts. And that's how the word of knowledge works and that's how the gifts of the Holy Spirit work because discernment works with that. Amen? So we are expected to speak the truth but we are to speak it in sincerity, in love and in the right timing to bring about life-giving results. Now this is where the key is in writing upon someone's heart is bringing about life-giving results. So Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians is alluding to, to this concept in 2 Corinthians 3 to this concept of him writing upon the hearts of the Corinthians and giving them an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they become the epistles of what he has written and then they are the carriers of what he has written and has been confirmed by the word of God and then they write it upon other people's hearts. So we have to understand that God has called us to be letter writers. Amen. The title of my message is the letter writer. So we have to know what to write, when to write and how to write. Now when you look at the covenants of the Old Testament and the New Testament, they differ vastly in the way it has been written. 
So we have to understand that the Old Testament was written by the finger of God. Moses visited God on the top of the mountain, 40 days fasting, and God writes out some commandments on two tablets of stone. Amen? Now why did he write it on two tablets of stone? I believe to symbolize the hardness of the hearts of men. Amen? So he wrote it down on two tablets of stone so that the Old Testament was governed by these commandments and worked on the hard hearts of men. See, the, the, when, when men depart from the covenant of God, there is judgment to follow. You know, these days we see a lot of judgment and we see a lot of things happening in the world and in the church and we ask the question, why is this happening? So I believe the hardness of men's hearts has caused God to begin to write certain things into play upon the heart of men. Now, we want to look at another scenario in the Bible where the hardness of men brought about the writing of God. So let's look at Daniel chapter 5 and verse 5. Daniel 5 verse 5. Here's the story of Daniel meeting with the king, the son of Nebuchadnezzar. And this guy has gone into uh, the storehouse of the king and he's brought out all the vessels that were once in the temple of God, holy vessels. And he has taken it and he has begun to use it to drink his wine and fornicate with his concubines and all that, having a party, so to speak. And, and he has, uh, how do I say, desecrated holy things. So God gets pretty upset. And then he, he, in verse 5, he says, In the same hour, Daniel 5, 5, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now he wrote it on the plaster of the wall, meaning the wall, the hard wall. So again, he's writing symbolically against the hard heart of this man. And he's bringing judgment upon this man. And the judgment was that this guy has been weighed up in the balances. And that he is found short. And that he is going to be judged and his kingdom taken away from him. You know, God is in many ways writing upon the heart of the world today. The governments of the world, the people of the world. You know, God is writing something. We need to listen. We need to observe and we need to see why God is dealing with people in such way because the hard hearts of men have brought about a scenario that has actually brought the whole world into a situation that's in, in conflict, in, in, in a shutdown and they don't know what to do and how to do about, what to, how to go about it. And so we see that God was also in this process of judging has given us a way out and that's the good thing about God so we want to go and look at that in Jeremiah 31 33 and we see what God is saying that he would do in the last days Jeremiah 31 verse 33 but this shall be the covenant now remember the old covenant 
written on hard stones. Now comes a new covenant. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it, listen to the words, write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Now the same thing is echoed in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10. He said, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I'll be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Here's God prophesying about what he's going to do in the coming of Jesus. Amen. Jesus is coming and he's bringing with him a new covenant, a new testament that is going to be written not on hard stone, but it's going to be written on the hearts of men who have like clay submitted into the hands of the potter that he might shape them into the image of Jesus, which he wants to do. And then he begins to write and he writes the laws, he writes the commandments, he writes the things that he wants us to know. And those are the words that are speaking to us today because once it's written on our hearts, you know, it cannot be removed. It's not easy to remove them. But even the devil wants to remove them. He comes to take away those words. He, like he came to Eve and he, God had written something on our heart about don't touch the fruit of good and evil. And, and you know, that was clear. But he came and he took those words away. So he can smother, he can cover the words of God. But they're written on your heart. Okay, you will always remember that God wrote those words on your heart. Even if you go away from God, that doesn't mean you will come back to God. That doesn't mean that you will repent and submit to God. It just means that they are there as a reminder to you that God spoke to you once and God wrote on your heart the truth and you rejected the truth. But if you accept the truth and if you believe that God spoke to you and wrote it upon your heart, then you shall be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what the difference is between the curse and the blessing is accepting the words of the Lord. Amen. So we have to come to that place where we begin to understand how to receive the writings of the Lord upon our heart. Now, not every writing of God on our hearts is uh, going to be pleasant because there's a lot of correction. There's a lot of direction. There's a lot of counsel and our pride, our arrogance and many of the other shortcomings in our characters can resist the word of God being written upon our hearts because we know that once we submit to that word it's going to change the course of our life it's going to change the way we think and that's what we don't want that's what we fight mostly against and we need to understand this not only us but those that we speak to on the street you see like uh, people go out on the street and try to talk to people but they don't want to listen because their heart is hard and yet you're writing on it you're writing on it because that heart can turn to flesh. Amen. Just by that writing, just by that word you speak to them. So the New Testament is written by the Spirit of God, who we know is the finger of God. Like we have come to that knowledge through what Jesus did when he came into the world and he was casting out demons. The Pharisees said, oh, you're casting it out by the power of Satan. And he said, no, I'm writing, I'm casting it out by the finger of God. So the finger of God was doing something to cast out demons from people. 
and then write the New Testament into their heart, the gospel of the good news. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are waiting upon the Lord for more writing because we want to know, we want to understand this God, we want to come closer to this God. And so we need the writing of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. Without that, you know, it's not possible. You can read the Bible all day long. You can fast and pray. You can jump up and down. It'll make no difference till God begins to write upon your heart. And when He begins to write upon your heart, you know, it is going to change your life forever and forever and forever. Now, the beauty about writing is that we, we are called to write as well. Okay? So we become partners with the Holy Spirit. Amen? We, we, the Holy Spirit gives us messages and we begin to write. And we begin to tell people what the Holy Spirit wants them to know. So the aspect of writing is speaking, using your tongue and sending out words that come from God onto another person. Now, if you write upon their uh, body, it's not going to make any difference, you know. Uh, if you tell them encouraging things and that sort of stuff, you know, it's only going to appease the flesh. It's not going to appease what is deep down within their heart. A soul crying out for love, a soul crying out for restoration, a soul crying out for reconciliation and understanding in their, in their situation what they are facing. So it's very, very important to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, discern it, and then spread that out into the atmosphere, directing it to the people, not knowing who is who and what is it that they're going through, but you are standing there, like for example, in a preaching scenario, and you are speaking into the atmosphere, and the words of God are being taken by the Spirit of God, and He is then writing it upon the hearts of the people. So we must hear, we must speak what we hear, and then the Holy Spirit will write it upon the hearts of people. So we don't want to just talk whatever we want to talk. Amen. So from a distance, we can do this. Amen. I've, I've done this so many times. You know, I've preached messages and it has made no difference in a church. And uh, the, the, when the altar call is given, nobody comes up. And then I began to develop a relationship with God based on understanding, hearing from God and speaking. So when I began to do that, my ministry changed and I began to see results that I really desired but didn't think was possible. And when I finished speaking or during the speaking, the words were being written by the Holy Spirit upon people's heart and they would manifest. They would cry or demons would come out or something else would happen and this could just be a teaching session. This could be a preaching session. It doesn't really matter because what you're doing is you're speaking the words of God and healing is taking place and miracles are happening because you are speaking the words of God. People are there desperate, hungry, thirsty for an answer from God. Maybe a prophecy, maybe a direction in their call, in their ministry, maybe something else that they're crying about and they're asking God for an answer. And here you are, the writer, standing there and you are speaking into the situation and the whole atmosphere has changed because the Holy Spirit takes that word and begins to write upon the hearts of people and suddenly the answers come to them and they can't handle it anymore and they cry out in, a, in actual, actual joy more than in fear because now they have received what God has 
given them. So the question is, who are you? You know, are you a writer by the Spirit of God? Or are you writing by your own thoughts and understanding? You see, you have to study the Word of God. You have to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And you have to speak. Now, this is not only in a scenario where you're doing ministry. This has got to do with everything concerning your life, your speech. Amen? Whatever you say, whenever you say it, to whomever you say it to, it's very, very important because your words are accountable before God. And if you don't understand that, you will take it for granted. Some people, they just love talking, right? They don't even talk about anything that is sensible. They just love, they want to talk. And that's wasted words. And you know, you've got to get out of that habit. You've got to come to that place where you measure your words. And then you speak. Everything is measured. God measures everything before He speaks. Amen? So you've got, you've got to understand that. So we, we know that in the... In, in, the, in the New Testament, Christ has given gifts to the church, the fivefold ministry, and they are officers, so they are authors, they write things. So if you are gifted in any one of these areas, you can write immeasurably the things that God has given you. But be careful that because you are writing on the hearts of men, that you do not write the wrong things, say the wrong things. So if you do, you know, things will go wrong for the people and they will hear the wrong message and they will do the wrong things. And guess who's responsible? They as well as you. Because they, the, the one who speaks or writes is as responsible as the one who hears. So you must understand what you are doing. You're, you're given a responsibility of a soul and, and the development of that soul. It's just like bringing up a child. If you speak the wrong things to the child, the child will grow up into being a wrong kind of person and developer of all the things that you have spoken into their lives, especially in their formative years. So when new Christians come into the church, you have to be even more careful about how you write and what you say. So we are governed by the Spirit of God as to what we write. And this is the way that we can develop spiritual growth for us as well as for others. We can teach others. We can cause them to come to the place where they fulfill their destiny. But the only caution I would say to the hearer is the one who receives the writing on his heart that they do not shut their ears. Amen? Just because God brings someone along and, and tells you something that you may not like. Okay? Don't shut the ears. Be open. Because the whole idea of writing by God is to bring you into perfection, is to bring you into a place where you become more like Jesus. Amen? So we've got to understand this. When you speak to one another, you speak in love, you speak in as much as possible. Your character is going to kick in most of the time, the way you are. So you've got to change the way you are. You've got to develop the gifts, the spirit of the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit within you. Meekness, kindness, patience, love, long-suffering, all of those things. They're not easy, okay? I'm telling you, they're not easy. We're all in the, same, in the same boat. We all have to face this kind of difficulty on a daily basis, a moment-by-moment -moment basis. So what we speak is extremely, extremely important. Now, the combination of words and the writing of something specific 
can produce different effects. So you need to know how to speak something specifically at a given moment without trying to overlap that so that you don't give too much information. But you also need to know how to combine a series of words and thoughts and concepts so that somebody can get it. You may never see them again and they need to know the stuff and the Holy Spirit will bring it back into their memory when the time is right. So you should know how to sow the words of God into a person. Let us not assume our position. Let us be careful about what we speak. We may be a husband, we may be a wife, we may be a pastor, we may be a teacher, an apostle, we may be just a lay person, whoever we are, whatever position we are in, let us be careful how we speak because danger follows the words that you speak and the life or death come out of them. So I'm, I'm always err to the side of being careful that I might say something that is really, really wrong. But that's not because I'm afraid of the other person or what happens to that person. If that person is not in the right place in their own thinking, no matter what you say, it's going to come across wrong to them. Because they're in, a, in the grip of Satan or they're in the grip of some sorrow or difficulty that is caused by Satan. And, and you don't necessarily uh, or you're not able to discern every word you speak because you're speaking it and it's coming out of your spirit but it's not something that is discerned by the Holy Spirit at that time. So you have to face the consequences of what comes out of your flesh. Unfortunately, that's the case. So when somebody gets offended, the best thing for you to do is humble yourself. Not to react, okay, because you don't know their situation. You don't know what they're going through. So they react. It's very difficult. It is mind-changing. It's, it's uh, life-changing for us. All that the law brought to us is death. But it was a death specific to bring us to Christ. Amen. God actually wrote words of condemnation. On tablets of stone. Let's have a look at look at it in 2 Corinthians, so that you understand what I'm talking about. In verse 7, 2 Corinthians 3, 3, 3, 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. <laughs> Here it is, the ministry of death written and engraven in stones was given to Moses. It was actually a glorious thing. He brought it down and he began to uh, reveal it to the people. They couldn't look upon his face because of the glory that was associated with what God had given him and the time he had spent with God. And, and they were saying, listen, we don't want it. Okay, they, they were fornicating, they were doing all sorts of stuff. But when they did accept it, they took it and they changed it. They made it something else. And they added to it something, you know, some hundreds and hundreds of laws that had nothing to do with what God had written. Now these words that God wrote on the stone was to bring them to Christ. That's what it says, that the whole purpose of the law 
was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Amen. So there was something coming that was after this that was not condemnation, but was going to be life. Now they didn't understand this, but Moses did, and he brought it down and he gave it to them, but they couldn't accept it. So if the law brought death and brought us to Christ, what is of the Spirit brings us to life in Christ? Now, here's the caution. Can we trust our words anymore in this case? Because if the words of Jesus brings us to life, our words cannot do that. Our own words cannot do that. And this is where we have to separate and listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church in the last days. So it's obvious that we cannot bring life by our words. Too often I'm telling you my friends, people are just saying things that are not right. Because they want to encourage or they want to say, speak softly or do something like that. They don't bring life, right? They, don't, they, they absolutely don't have any value in the kingdom of God, nor to the other person. That same person could become your best friend because you've said so many nice things to them. And then further down the track, they'll become your worst enemy because suddenly you said something that was not right in their view and they turn to be your enemy. So we have to understand that when we're handling the words of Christ, it brings life and it'll develop that person into being a person God wants them to be. So the question is raised in my heart. Why don't people receive the words of life? Because we have sown and sown and sown and we don't see many people coming to Christ. Yes, there are a few hundred thousand, maybe even millions coming to the Lord. And it's always a struggle to talk to someone about Christ and about eternal life and about hell and death and all the things that are associated with this knowledge of God and the Word of God. It's a, it's a hard yakka, okay? It's, a, it's always hard, not only to the one who is unsaved, but even to the one who believes that they are saved, that when you come to speak the words of Christ that bring in life and add life to that person and develop that person spiritually, they still reject you. They still don't want to receive the words that God speaks. So let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 14. And let's see why they don't receive the words. So he's talking about the Jewish people. When they were given the, the stones, the, the, the law in the stones. And he says, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, what happened was, a veil came over them, and they couldn't receive the words of God, because they rejected it. Okay, now their minds were blinded. They couldn't receive it. They just could not receive it. So, till today, Israel is under that situation. They cannot receive the words of Christ, and, he, and, and what he's saying. They just say, no, 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 it's all about the law. It's not. Okay, the law came, the law went. The law was established. But now comes grace. Now comes grace. Now comes the words of Christ, the life-giving words of Christ. Okay? So then we look at another concept, 
where in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, three, let's begin at 3, but if our gospel be hid, this is, we're talking about why people don't receive the words of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that is the devil, had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now here's another character who's, in, who's playing against the words of God. He's putting a veil over the people and then he blinds them to what the word of God is saying, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the life-giving gospel. Now, there are so many, so many scenarios in the Bible where the words actually don't make it to the hearer. So, you know, it's like running out of ink. You, you've got the paper, you've got the pen, but you can't write because you've run out of ink. So I've said the, the ink is the anointing. Okay, so what I'm praying and what I'm asking the Lord is for more anointing or more understanding of the word, which is the anointing, to be able to disperse that word correctly into that situation and break every barrier that stands in the way. Now, oftentimes in our ministry, when we travel and preach the gospel and other parts, we see that happening instantly and effectively in a meeting. Okay. But when we go back the next time to that same place, we could find that not much has changed. Now, I'm a pastor of a church and I've been ministering the gospel. I've been writing upon the hearts of men and women for, for a long time now. And I see change, but I don't see the kind of change that I would like to see. So where lies the problem? Is it the devil stealing the word? Are people's hearts so hard that they don't want to grow anymore? Or what is the scenario? What is happening? And then I begin to seek the Lord and I say, Lord, give me the kind of anointing that breaks every yoke that stops your word from reaching the people. So if the law is blinding people, which is religiosity, okay? So it doesn't have to be just the Ten Commandments. It's just religiosity, okay, that can blind you and you like the form of godliness rather than the truth of it and the power of it. So you like the form. So you stick with the form. That is religiosity. So we need to break that religiosity. We need to kill off the sacred cows, not only in our lives, but in the lives of other people. We have to know that we also can fall into that trap of getting comfortable and not being able to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, especially in times when we need to hear Him. So what happens is when the devil blinds them, they, they become deceived. When the religion mind blinds them, they self-deceive themselves. So you got self-deception and you got the deception of the devil and the gospel is hidden or veiled. But there is hope. The Bible says there is hope. He says in verse 16, John, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 3:16. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. <laughs> so here it is. So he said, when you turn to the Lord, when you turn to the Lord. When Moses was walking up on that mountain, looking for his lost sheep, he saw a burning bush. And he looked at that burning bush and it didn't burn out, it was just burning. And he said, this is strange. Then the voice spoke from the bush and said, this is holy ground. But the, the thing is, 
he turned to look at it. Okay, he has seen a lot of burning bushes in the, in the desert. Okay, because they do burn out there in the desert. But he turned to look at it. When he turned to look at it, he saw something completely different. And then his eyes were opened and he began to see what he had never seen before. And he came into the glory and into the presence of the Lord. You see, when you turn to God, when you allow Him to write upon your heart, and you turn to God, you will begin to see the glory. And that's what the Bible is talking about. Because in the rest of the verses, we will see this. He says in verse, eight, in verse 17 onwards, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 onwards. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is talking about the Word. Okay, if the Word is resident in your heart, you are liberated, you are free. Because you know you can draw upon it. Okay, the second thing is, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass, a mirror, the glory of the Lord. So when we look into the mirror and we see ourselves, we're actually not seeing ourselves. We suddenly begin to see the Lord. We see the glory. And we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. <laughs> this is powerful, right? Because when I look into the mirror, I often see myself. But if I look strong enough, I can begin to see Jesus. So, glory to glory. Some people may look at me and say, Oh, well, I don't see Jesus in you. Well, that may be true. Because your eyes are veiled. Or you, the devil has deceived you. But we must learn to know. We must learn to look at other people like Jesus looks at them. Then we'll begin to see Jesus. Not before that. You know, there was a pastor who complained about a church member to Jesus. He used to get regular visits from Jesus. And he complained to Jesus about this church member and said, you know, I looked after this church member and she did all these bad things to me. And he was going on complaining and then Jesus said to him, look, stand up, come and stand behind me and look through my eyes. And of course, Jesus gave him the ability to do that. And as he looked through the eyes of Jesus, all he could see was love and pity in Jesus' eyes for this woman. The woman was wrong. She, she did do all those bad things to the pastor. But Jesus was still looking at her with love. He was still looking at her with pity. So what he was trying to say to the pastor is, you must have the eyes of me, eyes of Jesus, to see and look at people the way Jesus looks at them. Now that's not easy because that comes with maturity. That comes with growing. That comes with allowing the finger of God to write upon your heart. Then you can be changed. Then you can grow and you can become spiritually strong enough to see such things. So we are being changed from glory to glory by what the Holy Spirit is writing upon our hearts. And when we turn to see what God is saying, then the veil is removed. So I've come to that place where when I speak, I realize I'm either speaking life or death. Now when I'm giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone, I know I'm speaking life or death. Because if that person receives it, they get life. If they reject it, death is working in them. Amen? And, 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 and it's not a good thing. Because we know that when they leave our presence and walk away, anything can happen to them. They can die before their time. They can have a car accident. They could have so many things. But an opportunity was given them 
to them to receive Christ. They didn't. Okay? But we are not the, we are not the saviors of souls. We are the deliverers of messages from God. We speak the truth. We write it with love and sincerity. And we choose the timing. So, though we don't want to disperse our seed just anywhere. We don't want to throw our seed to the swine. Because they'll turn around and they will bite us. They will rend us as the Bible says. Amen? So we must know how to measure our words and know the timing and when to sow and where to sow. In the sower's parable, three out of four soils didn't make, to make it. Though the words were there, the life was there, but they didn't last long. One took, got taken away by Satan instantly. The other one got upset over a period of time. The third one got caught by the cares of the world. So only one soil, the good soil, received and grew 30, 60, 100 fold. My concerns today are for the wrong infiltrations of words that are spoken into the church through various preachings, prophecies and other methods where people are coming into our lives, getting into our minds and in our hearts with words that they think God has given them. Some of them are genuinely speaking what they believe God has heard, either God has spoken to them but it's not true. Others are speaking words that are false for the purpose of advantage, gaining status or money or something else. Others are putting out false prophecies and lies of the devil even today. You know, we are seeing that happening. A lot of information on YouTube and, and other methods through the news, false information coming out to infiltrate our hearts and minds so that they can write upon us what they want to write and so there's all sorts of conspiracy theories and all manners of false prophecies coming out. Like one guy, you know, he said to, to on YouTube openly, he's saying that God has spared America. And this is, he's speaking in February, you know, God has spared America and that the COVID-19 will not have its way. But you know, today America is the, uh, the largest uh, portion of deaths in the world. More than half a million people, I believe, are affected by COVID-19 in that place. So they're not talking what God has told them. They're speaking whatever they want to speak. And people are believing it and they're following it. But the truth is coming out by the results of those words, the manifestation of the truth. Amen. The truth must manifest and the truth will always manifest. You cannot hide the truth. No matter what you do to it, you cannot hide it. The truth will manifest. So you must realize this and you must understand that you should not be open to listening to anything and everything and just talking anything and everything at a time like this. You should be listening. You should be in your prayer closet. You should be seeking God, saying, God, speak to me. Tell me what to do. You know, it may take time. It may take your fasting. It may take your desperation to hear God. But you must do it because otherwise you will believe and do the wrong thing and say the wrong thing. Okay, and that will not work for you. That will go against you. Because the time is such that we are living in. And the God is writing upon the hearts of people. People like to hear their hear things. They want their ears tickled. You know, you should be able to discern who's of God, who's not of God. Who's walking with God but doing the mistakes. Who's walking with God and doing the right thing. You should know that. Because people are dying. You know, people are dying. I'm telling you, not about the COVID-19 only. People are dying around the world through all sorts of famines and starvation and murder and death and 
all sorts of wars and other things that, are, that have been happening and are going to happen and greater things are going to happen. One third of the world population will be wiped out, my friends. There's no question about it. It's now, now is the time that we must speak into the life of the same people's life. We should speak into the atmosphere. We should begin to write into the atmosphere through declaration. We should give God the glory and we should speak life. Amen. We should speak the life of Christ into the atmosphere. Get it from the Holy Spirit and speak it. See, you know, only Jesus can give you life. Only the words of Jesus have life. He said, my words are spirit and life. It's simple, bottom line, foundational truth. You cannot change it, okay? Even if you want to change it, you cannot change it. So it is incumbent upon us to understand what the truth is. And what is the truth in the word of God? That are written, spoken, we hear in visions and dreams, whatever it may be. And this is what Jesus was telling the woman at the well, and when the Samaritan woman at the well. Come with me to John chapter 4, and we'll just have a quick look at that. John chapter 4. Now Jesus meets this woman at the well. We all know the story well. And he asked her for a drink and, you know, she put a difference between herself and Christ by, by racial discrimination. But then Jesus says, her, says this to her in John 4.10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living waters. Living waters are the words of God, spirit and life. They are speaking into our hearts. The, the psalmist says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Hallelujah. Open your mouth wide. When you begin to speak, you should be submitted. You must be yielded. You must be a totally abandoned vessel into the hands of God. And then your mouth becomes the mouthpiece of God. Like Jeremiah got words from God in one Jeremiah 1, 9 and 10. To both destroy and to build. Both from the same mouth. It's an amazing thing. Just like the king in, our, in Psalm 45. Gracious lips speaking gracious things. But at the same time, he can speak into the hearts of his enemies words that are like arrows that completely destroy them. Now, an arrow into your heart means death. Amen. So he can destroy his enemies like that. So the, the words that God is putting into our mouths is critically important. And so it must be delivered at the right time, the right way by the Holy Spirit. That, for that, the vessel has to be submitted. Now what I'm saying to you is because the Spirit of God lives in you, because the Spirit of God speaks to you and you know things by the Spirit of God, not just by you studying the Bible, not just by you praying, but by listening, hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. One. Two is what He has already written upon your heart. You already know the truth. The foundation has been laid. You know what the foundation is. 
Now you begin to write that upon other people. Now you don't go and talk to a mature Christian about salvation as you would talk to an unsaved person about salvation. You have to talk to the mature Christian about salvation in a different way. So you've got to know the difference. Now, whilst you're doing all of these things, the enemy is attacking you, causing problems in your house, trying to take your job away, putting diseases on you, sicknesses or some offenses or something else coming your way. The enemy is attacking you. Now you begin to speak against the enemy, the arrows of God, and you fire it into his heart and destroy him. By your declaration. That's what I'm saying to you. In these days, you've got to begin to declare life over yourself. Amen? And you've got to declare life over others using the words of Jesus. Now, I can just take any verse I want from the Bible and speak it and claim it. But it will not carry the truth of the word because it is not the finger of God. It has not been touched by the Holy Spirit. But that's why I'm saying to you, when you speak, when you preach, when you teach, whatever you do, it must be touched by the Holy Spirit. Because you are going to be accountable for what you speak. Okay, you will be accountable for it. God has written it in his books, what you are doing. God is writing right now in his books, what I'm doing here, right at this moment, in delivering this message at such a time as this. You know, why not talk about fear or something else or, or, or COVID-19 or, or to the disasters of the economy or the, the things that are going to come. No, no, no. God's not told me to talk about all those things. God has told me to talk about this subject. That's what I'm doing. I'm accountable for this subject at this time before God. And it's up to you to receive it so that you can become a sharp threshing instrument with teeth in the hands of God that will break down all the mountains in your life and the mountains that are in the atmosphere, the mountains that are upon this earth and the mountains that are upon other people's lives. Amen? You can do it by the words that you speak because they have power to destroy. They have power to, to remove mountains. Amen? This is what God is trying to say to us in these last days. Do not fear. You know, draw. The Bible says draw from the well of life. That well of life in you is the Spirit who is giving you life. Every time the Spirit of God writes upon my heart, something new is built up in me. I have a new revelation, a new understanding. And, and that's what I'm trying to deliver each time. That, that I choose the moment by the Spirit of God. I choose the language. I choose the words. I choose those things that are given to me. I put it together by prayer, by seeking God, waiting on God day after day, day after day, till I can formulate a message that I have to bring to you. But not only that, every day teaching me how to guard my heart. Because therein is the issues of life. And if you don't let the Holy Spirit write on the, on the heart, the issues of life that he wants you to have, you'll end up in the wrong issues of life. You'll end up in the difficulties of life and the problems that come with it. And the enemy has a free hand. I want God to write upon your hearts. I, I pray this very moment that the presence and the power of God is re reaching you and is writing new things upon your heart. Even things that you don't know about, which will suddenly come out of your spirit and then they will begin to speak 
from your mouth as you open your mouth wide and you'll begin to prophesy you'll begin to declare you'll begin to say the things of God into the atmosphere right where you are and you will see glory you will see power you will see the fire of God working I have seen it so many times friends I've gone into so many countries around the world I've ministered in so many situations and I have spoken these kind of words both rebuke chastening correction and prophecy of doom and gloom and I've spoken life and I've spoken the things of God I've spoken the power of God and I've seen it all work and I'm waiting on God to direct me more and more so that I when I declare I'm declaring the glory of God in the land of the living hallelujah Jesus Christ is Lord and he is always Lord he will always be Lord he will never change and and God is God He's seated upon the throne no man, no, no plague, no uh, disaster in this world can change that. Only we can be changed by the things that we listen to and by whom we allow to write upon our hearts. You know, I've had people go into churches and they'll say, oh, I've got a word for you. And, you know, they'll come and say a word, but it's not from God. It's there. It may be accurate. It may be correct, but it's the wrong timing, wrong place, and the wrong way it has been delivered. So the person who receives it, you know, takes off, and then they say, Oh, God told me I'm going to become an evangelist, and then they take off. No, 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 that was not right. That was not at all God telling you to go and do that. No, you've got to wait upon the Lord. And you, when you wait upon the Lord, He will speak the right words. And you know, it's precept upon precept, line upon line. It's not one big, you know, mass of things given to you at the same time you will explode you will not be able to contain it so it's a learning curve you have to grow step by step by step by step learning writing learning writing you know make your heart a blank page for God to write upon it confess your sins get away from your sins you know and, and confess your sins make your heart blank then God can write the words of life sin brings death okay Spring, sin brings separation from God don't let that happen remove that confess immediately repent immediately make your heart every second of the day a blank sheet of paper that he can write upon it and it'll become layer upon layer precept upon precept and it'll remain there forever and ever and you'll be able to draw upon it right into that well and jesus said you know if you ask of me i will give you the living water so ask christ for the living water his words his gracious words his loving words, His kind words, also His words of power to defeat your enemy. Amen. Let us pray. Let us seek the Lord. Let us ask Him to bless us this morning in the way that we need to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church in these last days. That we become good letter writers, not only over our own hearts, but over the lives of others. Father, I lift up your children, all over who are listening to this message, that Lord, you will bless them, you will cause them to rise up in these last days and be strong and to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them. And that they will become letter writers of good things into their families, husbands over wives, wives over husbands, over children and over situations and circumstances that they face in life, in their jobs, wherever they are, in the church, when they speak to one another, that you will guard their hearts Help them to open their heart to you, to write upon it. Let them say, search me, see if there be any wicked way in me, and remove that evil from me, and give me your spirit. Father, we need your spirit. We need more of your spirit, more of your writings, write upon us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.
bless your children and cause them to be strong in this hour as things go on and on that they will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying not what all those other fellows are trying to write upon our hearts not what the devil is saying but to be patient and to wait upon you for surely the day is coming when you will release us into a greater 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 blessing of spreading the gospel in Jesus precious name I pray amen and amen thank you Lord thank you in Jesus name amen <clears throat>